I think we have every reason to sing and be happy tonight. Let's sing together. Ready? If the skies above you are gray, you are feeling so blue. If your cares and burdens seem great all the whole day through, there's a silver lining that shines in the heavenly land. Look by faith and see it, my friend. Trust in his promises grand. Sing and you'll be happy today. Stress along to the goal. Trust in him who leadeth the way. He is keeping your soul. Let the world know where you belong. Look to Jesus and pray. Lift your voice and praise him in song. Sing and be happy today. Often we are troubled and tired, sick with sorrow and pain. There are others living in sin, blessed with earthly gain. Take new courage, we cannot tell what the morrow may bring. When the dark clouds vanish away, then your heart truly can see. Sing and you'll be happy today, press along to the goal. Trust in him who leadeth the way, he is keeping your soul. Let the world know where you belong, look to Jesus and pray. Lift your voice and praise him in song, sing and be happy today. Oft we fail to see the rainbow up in heaven's fair sky. When it seems the fortunes of earth round and pass us by, there are things we know that are worth more than silver and gold. If we hope and trust Him each day, we shall have pleasure untold. Sing and you'll be happy today, press along to the goal. Trust in Him who leadeth the way, He is keeping your soul. Let the world know where you belong, look to Jesus and pray. Lift your voice and praise Him in song, sing and be happy today. things back over to Mike. Let's be standing if you're able to and willing tonight. Let's be standing as we sing No Tears in Heaven. No tears in heaven, no sorrows given, all will be glory in that land. There'll be no sadness, all will be gladness when we shall join that happy band. No tears Savior will be forever, where no more song. 
They are a little bit naughty. The people we're going to talk about tonight, they are a little bit naughty and a whole lot nice. And all of them are over 90 years old. It seems to me that the church should honor its senior saints. Because in the case of Westside, we have nine people who are a little bit naughty and a whole lot nice and in their 90s. What a special group they are. Open your Bibles to Romans 13 and verse 7. A few passages about gray hair, and old age. Romans 13, 7 specifically concerns honoring the government, but it sets forth a principle that is found elsewhere. It says, giving honor to whom honor is due. And when we talk about some of the people in this congregation that are over the age of 90... Think about the things that they have seen. I just kind of did a year-by-year check and think of some of these events that we have people, because we have a couple that are 98 and several that are 90 or 91. In 1927... Charles Lindbergh crossed the Atlantic nonstop. Some of these people were alive then. In 1929, the Wall Street crash and the Great Depression. These 90-year-olds lived through that. 1933... Franklin Delano Roosevelt was elected president for the first time. He would be elected three more. 
1940, rather 1939, World War II started. Young people, if all of those were just kind of dates for you, 1940, McDonald's was founded. 1940. These 90-year-olds saw that, heard of that. John F. Kennedy was assassinated in 1963. These people will remember what they were doing when John F. Kennedy was assassinated. 1969, when man first walked on the moon. Our 90-somethings were alive and well. 1994, Amazon began. 1998, Google. Living close to 100 years of age, these people have seen an awful lot of history and been part of it. No wonder why they have often been called the greatest generation. I'm going to ask Glenn Mayfield, if he would, to come forward at this time and lead us in a word of prayer for these senior saints, but for other matters, too, concerning God's people. Lynn. Would you bow with me, please? Our Father in heaven, we humbly come before you this evening with thanksgiving in our hearts. We thank you, God, for your never-ending love and the many blessings that you have bestowed upon each one of us. We acknowledge you to be the only true and the living God, righteous and holy, full of all majesty and glory. We thank you, Father, that through your love you have created us and you've given us a glorious opportunity to know you and to love and serve you. We thank you, Father, for this relationship that we have with you, that you have chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless, to be called your sons. We give you thanks, God, for loving us so very much. Having made known to us your purpose and your will, we praise you for the never-ending grace given us through Jesus, your Son, that provides an inheritance for us, Father, that we know is reserved in heaven. Lord, I thank you for your word, for your Holy Spirit, which through your faithfulness, you have given us great assurance in our faith and our hope. Father, we are so very thankful that we are able to meet tonight to encourage and love one another, to have this opportunity to express to each other our love for you and to strengthen one another. Holy God, I pray for this congregation, for all who seek you, Lord, that peace, assurance, hope, strength, love, and faith that we have and that we have come to know may not be weakened or abandoned. Many are the trials and tribulations that we are witnessing in the world today. Many suffering, many are grieving, many are searching for hope.
Father, may our eyes always look to you in all things. May we not be distracted. Help us, Lord, to remain faithful and steadfast, rejoicing in our hope. Teach us, Lord, not to let Satan or those who would follow him fill us with doubt or fear or deceit and in any way separate us from you. Lord, help us always to stand firm and to take up the whole armor that you have provided so that we may also stand firm and glorify you. Father, we're so thankful that we're able to meet on Wednesday nights now and that our focus on fellowship, on shining your light, has been chosen to encourage, to lift us up, to edify us. Help us to see the importance of this precious time together, a time where we can come and heal, where we can strengthen each other in our most holy faith, glorifying you, Lord, in all that we do. Heavenly Father, there's so many of this congregation and those of your kingdom that we pray for. We're so very thankful for those that have been mentioned tonight, the senior saints. Father, I look to them as an inspiration. So many times, we don't know what the future holds, but we can look to them and see that faith can be held on to and that strength and courage and boldness doesn't have to forsake us as we grow older. We thank you, Father, for the example that they have left us and for the faith they continue to profess. Father, this prayer we offer in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You can tell a lot about a congregation by its concern for the poor, by its concern for children, by its concern for those that are older. Hear God's word. Turn to Leviticus 19 and verse 32 if you can. Leviticus 19 32. You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. Wouldn't it be great if that's really the way society tended to view those that were older? Turn to Proverbs 16 and verse 31. Proverbs 16 and verse 31. Again, hear God's word. Proverbs 16, 31. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. That's especially true of the nine that we'll be talking about this evening. Turn to Isaiah 46 and verse 4. Isaiah 46 and verse 4. 
Hear the word of the Lord. Even to your old age I am He, and to gray hairs I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, I will carry and I will save. Let me share with you pictures of the little bit naughty, awful lot nice, 90 years old people at Westside. Anella Van Hus, never go to the mall to walk with Anella Van Hus. Unless you're a kid, she will wear you out. That's her right there. And don't let the little lady with the sweet disposition, Lida tried to walk with her earlier today. Lida's not here tonight and look who is. There's a little bit of an age difference. For 34 years, Anella taught the third grade. She grew up the daughter of a sharecropper near Hamilton, Texas, and understood the value of hard work. She married Jean Van Hus. And God blessed them richly, and Jean knew what a good woman he found as a wife. People who have been at Westside for some time understand that Jean Van Hus has been gone for a while. And he had a stroke a number of years before that. His primary caregiver was that lady right there. Most of us could only understand a word that Gene said every now and then. He had the ability to say no very clearly. But Anella was able to understand Gene. And I knew that I was going to love her a lot when I saw the way that she cared for her husband. They were married for 61 years before he passed away. Miss Anella, we thank God for you. It's amazing that out of nine people, we will see eight of these 90-year-old people at services most Sundays. Think about it because just a few years ago, 90-year-olds comprised about 2% of our population. But now the 90-somethings comprise 4.7% of the U.S. population. They're one of the fastest-growing age demographics. They've doubled in the last 20 or 25 years in this nation. If all of them are like the little bit naughty, awful lot nice 90-year-olds of Westside, what a blessing they are to everybody. Miss Anella, we thank God for you. 
and for what you mean to us. Bernice Bauer. Bernice Bauer is sitting over there next to her son and daughter in love. And Bernice has the distinction of being the oldest member of this congregation, age wise. She is <coughs> years old. I don't think she would mind. 98 is correct. Is seven? Nine. I'm going wrong. She did have that birthday, 99. She has another member beaten by about a year. I was asking Roger the other day what he thought was the most outstanding quality about his mom. And he said, I, I really don't hear my mother complain very much at all. And for those of us that are around Miss Bernice, we can see that. She also was a school teacher teaching the third and fourth grade for a number of years in El Paso. She was baptized into Christ by her son, Roger, in 2004. Seems like it was just yesterday, doesn't it? She brought up three kids. And one thing you need to know about Miss Bernice Bauer, she loves to play games. And she cheats. <laughs> and she cheats every now and then. But I guess if you're 99, you can if you want. And there's something else you need to know about Bernice. She doesn't have to cheat, really. She's a great game player. She always has a candy stash hidden somewhere. She's got her little safety nest with candy. Young at heart and very special. If you know Bernice, she's the type of lady that is always friendly, always willing to share a word of encouragement, always has a smile. Miss Bernice, we love you. We thank God for you. Take a look at the sweatshirt she's wearing, if you can, before... Roger, would you tell everybody what's on her sweatshirt, please? Go ahead, Roger. Some say bossy, I say aggressively helpful. You live to be 99, that's exactly how it can be. We love you, Miss Bernice. Clay Mims. Clay is, there's so many clay moments at Westside. Most of them not half bad. I always say that clay has six miles of crust, but when you get to that sweet, ooey, gooey center on mile seven, you really see what a great guy he is. Clay has a sense of humor that 
is second to none. Clay has a love for kids that is second to none. Clay has a generous and giving heart that is second to none. He made investments through the years and worked as someone that was in investments while he preached. And evidently, God was good to him. Clay helped build a cottage at New Mexico Children's Home. Clay supports a student at Bear Valley Bible Institute in Denver by himself. He's taking care of a family of four. Clay doesn't talk about that a whole lot. That gruff exterior, that six miles of crust. But I don't think anybody will ever forget just a couple of weeks back when he asked the elders for a little time at the end of the services, and I think I can say they were a little bit apprehensive. They loved Clay, but they, was one, they were wondering what in the world is going to happen. And Clay gets up in front of everyone and says, I'll never forget the words, Ho! 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 And I knew it was going to be a classic Clay moment. And he had all of the children get in the center aisle. And every child in the congregation was given a gift by Clay that I suspect helped make their holidays a lot brighter. I've come to love Clay a lot. And I think you have too. I never got to know his wife, Margaret, but she must have been an amazing lady. And you can still see the tremendous love he has for her. He's looking forward to going home and being with Jesus and seeing Margaret again. Curtis McLean. Curtis McLean. I suspect Curtis has had more jobs than anybody in the congregation. A wider variety of jobs. He's sitting over here to my, to my left. You're right. Got the mask on right up toward the front. He was in the military for 20 years. He was in places like Alaska, Turkey, and spent six years in Germany. He did everything from watch repair to owning a restaurant to having a laundromat and a trophy shop, working for Traveling Key, helping people who'd locked themselves out of their car or home, things like that. And one of the neatest things about Curtis is he was married to his wife, Flo, for 62 years.
I had the privilege of doing her service. And I remember being in the elders' study area meeting room with Curtis and his boys. And they were talking about how Flo really was Curtis's best friend. And I'll never forget what you said, Curtis. You said she was that and she was so much more. We're talking about 62 years of togetherness. Walking together. Raising a family together. Serving the Lord together. But of all the occupations that Curtis has had over the years, my personal favorite was for many years here at Westside, Curtis was the resident vampire. He was the fellow that took care of blood being donated to the blood bank. So members here could utilize that account if it was needed during a hospital stay, and others too. He served diligently and well in that capacity for years. And I can honestly say, Curtis, you about bled me dry a couple of times looking for people to donate blood. Even now, Curtis is really good to provide transportation for people who need to go to doctor's visits in the hospital. We love you, Curtis. And we thank God for the man that you are. Dale Wolf. Dale would love to be here. He and his wife are sitting where Seth and Amy Sawyer are sitting tonight. That was always their pew. Dale and Wanda have been part of this congregation, or were until Wanda passed away, for 60 years. 60 years. And when I talked to Dale just the other day, He's very hard of hearing, and microphone, Mike, has to really put on the microphone for him to hear me in a phone conversation. He wanted me to let all of you know how much he misses being here. Listen to this. He was married to Wanda for 71 years. She was a firecracker. I remember going to visit her one day and I was giving her a hard time and she said, if you don't quit, I'm going to call the elders. I said, go right ahead. And she up and calls Terry Pafford right there while I'm in the room with her, complaining about the preacher, giving her a hard time. They have been quite a pair, if you've known Dale and Wanda. They have laughed a lot and shed more than a few tears. Like so many in this area, Dale retired from the oil patch 35 years with mobile oil. He's in an assisted care facility now, but we still can see him from time to time before the COVID pandemic 
came along. Here's something that I find really interesting. If you're looking at the United States population and people that are over 90, statistically 80% of them are women. 80% of those that are over 90 in this country are women. But out of nine people, five are men here at Westside. Don't you think we ought to treasure those people? All nine of them? Dale is such a good man with a big heart. And he's always asking about others in the congregation and how they are doing. Dorothy McQuarrie. Dorothy is what I call the silent assassin of this group. She's tall and elegant. Delana Ontiveros is her, you know, her daughter, you know, relationship there. Patty Anderson, who most of us will recall, her sister. But Dorothy McQuarrie is one of those ladies that's the silent assassin. And I'd ask her, did you, did you and Patty fight much when you were growing up? And she would smile and say, you have no idea. She suffered from cancer in the last couple of years, but thank God she seems to be doing much better right now. She's typically here on Sunday morning. She was married to her husband, Forrest, for a number of years. He has gone ahead of her in passing away. Dorothy and Patty just seem to go together to me. They sit together at services. Patty seems to be more outgoing. But watch out for Dorothy because she can really make a point. She's a very sweet and elegant lady. And I thank God for Dorothy McQuarrie. She's a sweetheart. Eldon Reams. Eldon Reams. Eldon was one of the elders of this congregation when I first came to Midland to work with the church here. He had a doctor's appointment just the other day. I said, how did it go? He said, it went good, but they said that my sugar was a little high. And I said, that's just because you're such a sweetheart, Brother Reams. When Karen was little, now she's got a little one back there, but when Karen was little, she always called Brother Reams the teddy bear elder. Look at the picture. He was our teddy bear elder. He's always challenging himself, and even now he studies his Bible every day, and he has math books that he likes to go through. He studies them for fun. He worked in the oil patch for 41 years, ran a pulling unit, among other things. 33 years he spent with Phillips. 
His wife's name was Judy. They were married for 69 years. And you talk about opposites attracting. Because Eldon never met a stranger and could talk anybody's ear off. And if you were okay for that slow drawl of his, it was going to last a while. But you always appreciated his great heart. We still do. Judy was a little more reserved at first. But if you have ever gone with some of the ladies on a ladies' retreat in this congregation, Judy Reams was always behind mischief that was going on. And she had that twinkle in her eyes of mischief. Eldon and Judy had ten grandkids together. A wonderful couple. When I think of wonderful couples that I've been blessed to know in ministry over the years here at Westside, Eldon and Judy are right toward the top. Vonnie Warren. Vonnie is the sister that you haven't seen in a long time. She's in a care facility here now, and she suffers from dementia. I'd say eight of the nine have been unusually blessed as far as their presence of mind. Less so this dear sister. She was probably four foot eleven on a good day. Her husband, Jake was probably five feet tall, maybe a little more. But they always walked into this building hand in hand. Jake had kind of a cowboy look about him, wavy uh, salt and pepper hair, always wearing pearl snaps, Waylon, always had cowboy boots on. And they were married for about 57 years before Jake passed away. They both became very faithful Christians here at Westside. And we could count on seeing them every time the doors were open. You look at Miss Bonnie there, you never would find Miss Bonnie with her hair not fixed pretty and her makeup on. She also was quite good at putting on perfume, most of which was left on me after she hugged me on Sundays. But that was okay. Because when you got to know that couple, they were just as solid and as good a people as you'll ever find. We don't need to forget these people. You know, for a year, we've not been able to come together the way that we would have liked and I suspect we've remembered the young people a lot, and we ought to. But we really should pay honor and respect to these people. Because they've helped make the congregation the congregation we all love. Jake and Bonnie were a big part of that. 
Wilbur Harkness. Wilbur has the distinction of being the second oldest. He holds that against Bernice, but that's okay. He served also as an elder, a shepherd for this congregation for many years. He retired from Slumberger. A guy that went to school at Georgia Tech, grew up in Florida, and then came out to Texas. Two sons and a daughter. Harkey passed away earlier. Jan, Larry, of course. Bill Harkness. Brother Harkness was cited for bravery in World War II on more than one occasion. He married his wife, Carolyn, in about 1944, and he flew during World War II 44 missions as a bomber pilot. He rarely would talk about it. On one occasion, I went to see him at the hospital just before he was to have a surgical procedure, and they'd given him some medication, and he got talkative. And he told me about the number of times that he made it back with bullet holes that had come through the wings and bullet holes that had come through other parts of the aircraft. And how thankful that he was that no one who was on board that bomber with him ever died. Cited a couple of times, as I said, for bravery in World War II. He was married to Carolyn for 70 years. And Wilbur is such a charismatic individual, got a lot of personality And Miss Carolyn was the perfect complement to Wilbur Harkness. She could say one word and just put you in your place. They were the first family at Westside that we were in their home. And we stayed with them for several days before we had our house become available to us so we could move into it. Wilbur Harkness is a prince. Sure love him just like these other eight. In recent days, Brother Harkness has lost vision in one of his eyes. The doctors seem to be quite sure that he will never regain vision in that eye. But oh, the things Wilbur Harkness has seen. He often wonders probably as much if not more than any of the others because I talk to him a lot. He wonders why he's still here. He's still here because we have an awful lot that we can still learn from him. And the good Lord's not done with him just yet. Here are the addresses 
for all nine of these people. I would encourage you, and we'll put this in the bulletin too. I would encourage you to send them a card and just let them know that you're thankful for them and what they have meant to the church that meets here over the years. We all are blessed by those who have gone before us and helped pave the way, aren't we? We'll make sure these are up in the bulletin this week. I'd like to take a moment to say thank you to Sharon McKay, who, when I asked her to take pictures of these individuals, was so excited to do it. I want to thank Stephanie Scott because she made everything ready to go for the PowerPoint. Adam is always uh, a servant and has a great heart. But I can't think of a better way to start something like this off than letting everybody know the church should be intergenerational. Everybody matters to God. And we truly need to connect with each other regardless of the generation. Some of these older people, young people, have been some of your best friends, haven't they? They've really been nice to you. And they've been doing things like that for a while now. We're about to stand and sing a song of encouragement. I'd like to extend the Lord's invitation to you tonight. How blessed we are to be Christians. How blessed we are to encounter people in our life who are not perfect, but who love the Lord and who live for Him in such amazing ways. We've looked at nine of those tonight. I think it's been worth coming for, don't you? But as we think about that, these people's lives are really special because they reflect Christ. And all of them would only say, follow me as I follow Jesus. To follow Jesus, you need to come to him in faith. To follow Jesus, one needs to come to him in repentance and wanting to go the Lord's way, not the way of sin and self. In following Jesus, one needs to confess that Jesus really is the Son of God with their mouth and to do so with assurance and conviction. He is our hope. He is our all. And to come to Jesus, one needs to follow him in baptism. At the point of baptism, a death occurs. A burial occurs and a resurrection occurs to newness of life. Romans 6 verses 3 through 5. Don't you want to be with Jesus forever? 
Don't you want to be with people that have loved him and sought to serve him? If you haven't come to Jesus, won't you come tonight as we stand and sing? bring something different, at least for a while. And while this was different, I don't know that I could have thought of anything that might be more worthwhile and an interesting way to kick things off. At this time, Terry's going to lead us in a closing prayer. Let's all bow. Brother Terry. Just a, a comment before we have a prayer. When Lynn and I had got together to talk about getting together again on Wednesday nights, and we decided to do that, one of my thoughts went to Ezra chapter 6 and verse 22. The children of Israel had been in captivity. They came back to Jerusalem, had, had built part of the wall, were at the temple, and they had the Passover. And it had been a long time since they'd had it. So it's been my prayer for the last couple of weeks that when we got together again on a Wednesday night, that we'd be joyful. And it says they were joyful. Why? Because the Lord made them joyful. So I am thankful that we've had such a joyous time together. Let's pray together. Father, it's been wonderful to be here tonight among your children, to come together in the middle of the week to encourage one another. We're thankful, Father, for the format that we've had tonight and the wonderful people, the wonderful brethren Brother Mike has brought to our attention. Father, I'm reminded of Psalm chapter 37 and verse 25. I have been young and now I'm old, and yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. And I know, Father, that every one of these could say that. We will never know, Father, this side of eternity, what your providence has done for each one of us, but especially these, Father. Over the last year, we've been hit with this virus, and we have often prayed from this pulpit that the most vulnerable among us would be protected. And Father, if you look out among those that we've talked about tonight, all of them have been spared from that. We can be very thankful for that. 
But there's other ways in our lives that we will never know how you have protected us. And we're just thankful, Father, for that. Father, help us to look to these who are older. And they set such examples that any time anytime the doors are open, they're going to be here. They're faithful. They set a good example, not just in, in this congregation, but in the, in the community. And we're thankful, Father, for that. Father, in this world that we live in today, there's much strife, there's much division. Father, the only answer to all of that is our Lord. And Father, if this nation is to come back to to the way she once was, she must hear from the church, the pillar and ground of the truth. And that may seem like a daunting task, but yet we can read time and again in the Old Testament when your people were in trouble, sometime you saved them from hundreds of thousands of soldiers with just but a handful of men. So, Father, we know that though the enemy is great, that the one in us is even greater. And, Father, I I think of in all of this craziness that's in our world today, help us to be still. Help us to be still and to know that you are God. If we're not still, Father, we can't hear you. And we certainly need to hear from you during these times. Father, I want to pray for the parents among us who have little ones and maybe not so little ones. That they would take their stewardship seriously. And look to each child and learn their needs. Learn the direction they need to go. We know, Father, that we want to be Christians first. But may their individual talents be developed to your glory. Bless, Father, each parent and each child as they are are disciplined and trained in in your instruction. Especially, I pray that you'd be at the fathers, whose ultimate responsibility it is with the help of their wives. That they will be godly men. They'll first be godly husbands, taking care of of their, of their children. Father, in my life, right now, I pray that uh, you'd be with my son Andrew on Friday. Father, for years, he's had a lot of trouble with his teeth. Much of that was genetic. But Father, he has surgery on Friday to have all those pulled out. And I pray, Father, that you bless those that are caring for him. And thank you, Father, for those in this congregation who have done that as well. Father, I pray that until we meet again, may the world see Jesus living in us. In Jesus' name, amen.